What if it's a long trip? That is the question that serves as the title for our summer sermon series as we consider what it means the church to be the church of Jesus Christ when the journey extends far further or far longer than we'd anticipated or than we'd hoped for. In particular, today we are asking the question, what does the church sound like on that long trip? We're going to consider that question further by way of the passage from Ezra you heard read moments ago. But but first, hear this familiar reading from the Gospel of Luke where we may well imagine the cry of a newborn child happening at the very same time there are a heavenly host singing joyfully. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all of the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Ezra is a book in the Hebrew scriptures of our Bible, and it basically tells the story of when the Israelites are invited back into Jerusalem. Quick recap, if you're fuzzy on the details, it was because of the Israelites' unfaithfulness to God and God's ways, as well as because of some external enemies, Uh, that the Israelites were at once exiled from Jerusalem by the Babylonian Empire. This meant that the beloved temple that was built under King Solomon, it was destroyed. Later today, you might go and read 1 Kings chapter 6 to see just how enormous and magnificent this temple was, built out of all kinds of gold and silver, bronze and cedar and iron and precious stones, stunning this space where God most especially dwelt. And then suddenly, quite swiftly, quite painfully, the temple was gone. But... Times changed. Eventually, a benign ruler named Cyrus invited the Israelites back into Jerusalem. to Jerusalem. He told them they could rebuild the temple, which is what's unfolding in our reading from Ezra. The builders are laying a new foundation. We hear that many of them are the sons of so-and-so. They are the younger generation. And around the builders are priests playing jubilant trumpets and and, and clashing cymbals are coming together triumphantly. The people are singing. Can you hear the sound of joy at a new beginning? I remember spending a week serving with Habitat 
for Humanity in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, some seven or eight years ago, just after tornadoes came through and, and devastated parts of that city. My team uh, was helping on, on a street where they were rebuilding a lot of houses, and we worked on putting in a single wood floor. And that's it for the whole week. We left after that week having, in my mind, done very little in light of all that needed to be done. So I asked one of the Habitat workers about this. I said, wouldn't it be better if, if you guys who are always here made, rebuilt these houses and didn't have to worry about volunteers like us? We are so slow. Most of us are pretty inexperienced. You have to spend all this time training us and, and making sure things are coming together. Then I pointed down the street where the entirely new lots were being built, and I said, look, not only this house, but there are so many more houses to be built, foundations to be poured. Why don't you just get a few professionals to do all of this than deal with all of us novice volunteers who are so slow? And he goes, well, for one, volunteer labor is cost-effective. But then he said, even if we had the money, I've learned sometimes, honestly, professionals aren't the best option because too many of them do it for the money and don't truly care about the product. Volunteers, he went on, they actually asked the question, would I want this to be my house? Volunteers build with love, and that makes a huge difference. He, he said, you know, at the end of the day, Habitat for Humanity houses are really well built because they're done by volunteers who care. One senses the foundation being laid in the new temple here in the book of Ezra is one of love. Thoughtful, excited about the new start. The trumpets are out. It is a hopeful sound. And on one hand, haven't these recent days given us a new sense of hope in some ways? I mean, we would have never asked for the old temple to be put on pause for this long and have to wonder what it will even look like when we return for all of our in-person activity. But, but my goodness, I can't also help but think about the creativity. This congregation, this staff have shown forth in, in some of the musical worship and imagery used Sunday to Sunday. Or the amount of times that congregants have talked about chatting with an elder or deacon or one another uh, over phone or virtual coffee or, or a virtual Bible study, and they've remarked, honestly, I think I know so-and-so far better than I ever did before this pandemic. On Zoom, I see them in their own homes. I know far more about their interests. Or, or some are saying, you know, I for the first time ever, I just see this person because I always went to 8.30 and they were at 11 or, or, or vice versa. Or, or, or the amount of times I've heard of the, the creative and thoughtful ways that small pairs of folks have enjoyed socially distanced long morning or afternoon conversations at, a, at opposite signs of an outdoor porch or the end of a driveway with some of these lingering conversations about life and faith that, that we, we never believed we quite had enough time to do previously or the amount of folks who've had a little more time and have risked their energy to dive into a difficult but timely and important conversation on racism in the church and our call these recent thursday afternoons the, the church has known a, a new openness to the expansive call of god's kingdom work for such a time as this god's justice work there's a fresh aching for what that's all about and what it means for us 
Or I think of the amount of times uh, folks have remarked that they're just asking better questions about their own lives and their priorities because this has been a clarifying few months. God is surely laying a foundation for something new, and I wonder what other stones of joy you might point out that are part of that. And yet, this isn't at all the same, is it? We're not alone in that recognition. You may recall in our passage in Ezra that right after the verses that speak of the joyful builders and the trumpets, we hear this. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the families, old people who had seen the first house, the first temple on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house. The older ones those who could remember the massive, beautiful temple way back before it was destroyed, they wept. This new temple was just so much smaller. The people were different. It's not like how it used to be. For some today, the church hasn't been the same for years Not like the massive, beautiful church we grew up in some decades ago. Others, their lament stems most acutely from the fact that it's not been like it was even four months ago. It's been trying for many, simply not knowing that familiar hug or handshake we so readily offer one another. It's felt almost patently wrong at some level that we cannot surround those who grieve the loss of a loved one and and, and and carry them before and during and after a memorial service. And then what of our congregational singing? Our choirs, our service projects, our mission trips, our fellowship gatherings, vacation Bible school, and all the rest. This is not the temple we've known and loved and rejoiced in these many years. Perhaps we do not openly or even regularly weep in these recent days, but, but I also find that when a complaining or, or a critical spirit begins speaking up a little more frequently in the heart, behind that is grief. Oftentimes I find that behind that there is a sense of loss trying to speak up. Have we known something of this weeping in recent days or something of this weeping wanting to find expression in these recent days? Our final verse in Ezra sums up just how this gathering of God's people then sounds at this moment of newness and lament. The people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping, For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far away. Have you ever played a a beautifully triumphant major chord on the piano? At At the same time, you play a dour, even shrill minor chord? Or have you heard someone play that if you don't know... uh, how to play the piano? Notes of, of, of joy and notes of weeping and longing at the same time. 
I wonder if that might be how the church sounds in our day. I wonder if that isn't the sound even of some of our individual hearts. And truly, both joy and weeping are unavoidably faithful biblical expressions of the long journey. In fact, it would be problematic if we started to hear only one of those sounds all of the time and and we did not have room for the honest, faithful expression of both. Let me add one more sound, however, for us to consider, as I think it might help us draw all the more closely to whatever God is up to in this season of life and in the precise sound of the church right now. C.S. Lewis, in his 20th century classic, Mere Christianity, once uh, wrote, Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abdominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor here, running up a tower, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. Lewis is riffing on scriptures like Ephesians 2.22, which declares, We, the church, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. We, the church of Jesus Christ, we are the new and glorious temple where God abides. And all of us, as Lewis makes vividly clear, are under construction, ever making room for the fullness and love of God. Can you hear that noise? The hammers and the nails, the saws and the shovels of the Holy Spirit making room. If you're not sure where the Holy Spirit is is currently doing active construction work, here's what I would suggest. Lean into the pain points. The places where something right now is being knocked around or pressed or cut or dug up. I'm not saying God is actively doing all of that. Some of those things just happen to us. But absolutely, ours is a God who is most faithful to build new life precisely from the points of greatest pain. In fact, the truth is, if we can name some of the areas in our lives and in our church where we hear the construction noise the loudest, the pain points are most acute, I think we will have zeroed in on our spaces where there is at once the greatest amount of weeping because there's real change and also the space where there is potentially, eventually the greatest amount of joy because that's also where the new thing of God is rising.
It was the commingling sound of an infant's cry and angelic hosts singing, which marked that the renovation of humanity was underway and a new kingdom was being built. Construction is good news. It means that God is active and God is faithful. And though this day we may be only to point to what seems like one single wood floor under construction, that which is hammered in love is truly a mighty and enduring work. Where do we hear the sound of construction? And how might we pick up a hammer and join in laying God's new foundation? Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your active faithfulness. Attune our ears that we might hear where you are at work and how you are calling us. As our ears turn toward creation, we hear the groans as your creation longs for full redemption. We give thanks for the rest and renewal that parts of your creation have known in these recent months. And we lament the ways in which we have not been faithful and thoughtful stewards of this most precious gift. As we turn our ears to our, toward our world, we give thanks for the sounds of peaceful silence, the sounds of joyful music coming together across digital platforms or a neighbor's window, the sounds of new birth, the sounds of rejoicing over good news, the sighs of relief upon signs of healing, the sounds of hands and feet of Jesus actively working and moving on behalf of the most overlooked and the long-suffering. The sound of beautiful encouragement spoken. The sound of truth raised clearly. The sound of loud and soft murmurs of prayer that take form on the lips of your saints. And also we lament. Oh, we lament the sounds of pain, of aching, of breathing machines, of cars humming in long lines, awaiting needful food, the sounds of violence and violent rhetoric, the painful sound of quiet suffering, the sound of still silence known in profound loneliness, the sound of raging noises and voices and distress upon the heart of those deeply afflicted. O oh Lord, hear our lament. We pray 
We pray for our leaders at every level of government as well as throughout the school systems as they daily face significant and complex decisions. And whether or not they know you by name, Jesus, we pray that their hearts might hear and heed your voice of wisdom and love in all that is done. Finally, we pray that you would tune our ears to hear your voice in the ways you are currently at work with, uh, within us and among us, your church. Where, Lord, is the construction most fervent and full? Help us to hear. And then perhaps pick up our own hammer or saw or shovel and join you as you lay this new foundation on earth as it is in heaven. We now unfold our entire prayer into the one you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.